0: Guys, I um I so enjoyed our um, our Good Friday service Friday. I don't I don't know what it was. It was just kinda different. It was just so like Carl said, just kinda somber and just I it's just like just that presence of the Lord was just there, you know, the whole time. I so enjoyed just taking communion with you guys and leaving here and just really feeling like I am so right with God. I cannot be any more right with him than I am right now. You know, I've repented. I've I've done everything I know to do and just trusted in him and taken his bread, taken his wine, taken the blood, taken the flesh and everything I know to do to be clean. You know, I'm just clean. I stand here clean in him and it's just an amazing feeling and as I um as I go forward, I want to um preach today. I w- I will pick up a little bit on um, on Good Friday, but I titled my, uh, my sermon, uh, Resurrecting the Real Church. And because as I've been looking, reading a little bit of Acts and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's like, um, are we anything like them? Anything like that first church that was so on fire? And when you really start making comparisons, you start thinking we're not, you know, we're just not like that. So, I titled this uh, message, Resurrecting the Real Church. Before I get started, let's pray. Dear Lord, Resurrection Sunday, Lord, you do. You make us different from all other religions. Because our main guy, Jesus Christ, is alive. And he showed himself to so many people. And so many people were willing to die horrible, horrible deaths, deaths. Not because of what they believed, but because of what they saw. They said, look, we we cannot deny him. We saw him. He commissioned us. We love him. We give our lives for him. And Lord, I pray that you'll do that same thing for us. Lord, help us in this day to do that equivalent, to give our lives for you. Lord, to make you the main thing, the biggest deal in our lives, not just on Sunday, but Monday, Monday through Sunday, every day of the week, Lord, may you be the most important centerpiece in our lives. May we take care of our relationship with you before we take care of any other relationship on this planet, Lord. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, as always, that you'll open up our eyes so we can see this word afresh. Will you make it come alive for us, Lord? Will you will you open up our ears so we can hear Lord, even as the children are in here, Lord, open up their ears. Lord, help them to learn to concentrate on the Word. For there is no greater honor than to be sitting here and and be able to read this Word and and hear this Word. We open up our minds, Lord, so that we can understand it in a way that we've never understood before. We help us understand how to apply it to our lives. We show us what to do with it, Lord. And most of all, Lord, we open up our hearts so we will fall crazy in love with you so that none of this is work, none of this is a have to, this is a want to, and it is our delight to be in your presence and to hear your word, to read your word, to do your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so with Friday, you know, we left off at uh, at a little visit that... Uh, Jesus paid when there was a multitude of people, and you know they were there. Like, man, you just fed five thousand of us. Do that trick again. We really like that. And he said, you know what? Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you don't have any part with me. And which the disciples are saying, man, why you have to say stuff like that, Jesus? You know that's not how you you build a mega church. That's just not how it's done. You're supposed to say, I'll feed you again and come back and bring a friend, and we will double in size, but. He was constantly, constantly, which is one of the reasons one of the ways the resurrected church the real church will resurrect is if we start serving the real Jesus because honestly, you know as a teenager it 's amazing how Jesus liked all the same stuff that I liked, and he didn 't like any of the stuff that I liked you know that i didn 't like it 's like it was it was that was just the way it was and, and as we get older, it's amazing how Jesus looks like us, but we must serve the real one. So we pick up on that, on that good Friday. He just gave his life on the cross, you know, early in the morning. He's praying and the disciples won't pray with him. He's like, can't you even pray for an hour? I mean, like, come on, guys. And then he's betrayed with a kiss by Judas And they take him and they try and they give him this illegal trial. And they're like, you're a blasphemer. You can't call yourself the son of God. They can't kill anybody. So they take him to Pilate. Pilate doesn't want to kill him. So he has him brutally scourged to near death or almost unrecognizable. And he's like, look, here he is. I've punished him. And they said, no, it's not what we wanted. We wanted him dead. And so at 9 o'clock. I mean, they make him carry his his cross, and he's so weak and he's so weary that he collapses under the weight of it. I mean he probably could have done it you know had he not just been beaten. you know we don't read of anybody else not being able to carry their cross, but he was brutally beaten and so this guy named Simon, he helps him he you know they point to him and he got to carry the cross of Jesus no way at the time that he knew. The significance of what he was going to get to do. Just amazing. He got to carry his cross. And at 9 o'clock, they put him up there. And three hours goes by, and it's 12 o'clock, and it gets dark all around. I mean, just this insane darkness. And people are wondering, what in the world? And Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so many people have different interpretations of why he said that. But I believe with all my heart that from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock it got dark because he was taking my sin, he was taking your sin, he was taking the sin of anybody on the planet who would ever say, Lord, will you forgive me? And we forget, we so easily forget. We just think it's, oh, forgive me, and that's it. You just move on with your life. But no, it's not the way it works. That three hours was important that Friday. You say, oh, forgive me, and that sin travels all the way back. And he thinks about it. And he's like, oh, there's Adam's sin. There's... There's, Adam, there's this person's sin, there's your sin, there's, there's my sin. I mean, he, he, it, it costs him, it goes on him and he thinks about it and it hurts him. And when you realize that, it makes you like, oh my God, I don't want to sin anymore on purpose because I've hurt you enough. It cost him for three hours, 12 to 3, he takes sin, your sin, my sin, anybody who would ever say, Lord, will you forgive me? Will you come into my heart? Will you make me a Christian? Will you make me brand new? yes. But I'll take that sin. The wages of sin is death, and I'll take that death for you. And at three o'clock, he says, "It is finished." My first verse as we uh, as we go through this. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when you read about this veil, it's really thick, it's really tall. Nobody tore it from the bottom up. It was God reaching his hands down and taking that veil. and shoo, Now anybody can enter my presence. Now it's not just those priests on that one time a year after they've done all this stuff. Anybody can enter my presence. And the earth quaked it's like a positive nuclear bomb going off, man. He yields up his spirit and just, bam, an explosion. The, the veil gets torn in two. And, and the earth quakes. And the rocks, they just split. Just this amazing thing. And I don't know if you guys have ever read this, but to me, This, I can't believe it was so long. I'd never heard anybody say this next verse here at Easter. But this just blew me away when I just saw it. And I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Look at the very next verse. And the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, who were dead, were raised. And coming out of the graves... After his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. It's like, boom, and then these people. I mean, my grandpa just died like a couple years ago. I could imagine just being back in these days and like, oh, man, you know, Jesus died. And I'm like, Papa, like, what are you doing here? He's like, I don't know. It's just this explosion, you know. And Wow. I mean, are you kidding me? They went into the Holy City and appeared to many people. People like, oh, wow, Aunt Grace. Are you kidding me? I can't believe I'm seeing you. And check out the next verse. Because of this. So when the centurion, this Roman soldier in charge of a hundred people. I don't know how many people were there. And those with him who were guarding Jesus. They saw the earthquake and the things that had happened. They feared greatly, you think, like whoa, this guy like says it's finished, and he gives up his life, and then boom, all this stuff happens. Of course, he feared greatly. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Saying, truly, this was the son of God. There is no, I don't, I don't know who we just killed. But there's nobody like that guy. If God has a son, it's him right there. This Roman centurion, because of what he saw, because of what he saw, he said this is him. This, he is the son of God. Now, next verse. In the next little deal here, the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. Now, where he was crucified, it just blows my mind that there's a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So Jesus, literally, is like about to get planted in a garden. And once you are planted, I mean, anything that's planted, what happens? It produces more people or more of what you just planted. Jesus says it's expedient that I go away. Why? Because if I go away, you're going to see something so amazing and you're going to be filled with something so amazing that you'll carry this work out. It's expedient that I go away because it's going to make more little Christs. It's going to make more of me. So there they laid Jesus. They planted him. Next verse. But Mary, Mary. Most people believe Mary Magdalene, Mary, um, who they said the Bible says seven demons were cast out of her. Mary, who while Jesus is in the house of a Pharisee, eating, the Pharisee doesn't you know he thinks he's equal with Jesus. He doesn't offer him any. To, to, he, he don't offer her to wash his feet. He don't offer anything. He's just sitting there like he's Jesus' equal. And this woman, Mary, comes in, this alabaster box, and she pours this out. And she's crying on his feet. And she's cleaning with his, wiping them with, his, with her hair. She's just like adoring this, this Savior, this person who said there's nobody like this man, her. And then that, that Pharisee sitting there saying, man, if he knew who was touching him, if he knew that she was a prostitute, if he knew that everybody believed she was full of demons, if he knew he wouldn't be touching that that person, that she says, I don't care what you think. This man brought me out of bondage. This man set me free. There's no one like this man. So, of course, she, the one possibly most in love with this man, Jesus, Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Been there three days. Next verse. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? You know, and this first time, you know, woman, I call her woman, because they don't know her, you know, they weren't intimately, you know, they didn't know her like she had known Jesus. Why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. I just want to know where he is. I got to know. Next verse. Now, when she had said this, she turned around. She had just stooped down, and these two guys are in there, and they're like, woman, you know, what you doing? And she's like, well, I'm looking for Jesus. And she gets up, she turns around, and she sees Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. The last time she saw her, he had pretty much all his flesh ripped off of him. He was covered in blood, he, you know, just stringy uh, hair matted together in blood in this crown of thorns, and, you know, he was just mutilated, he was brutalized. So, of course, she didn't know. Jesus said to her, woman, now he says woman because he's just messing with her. Woman, same, same, same language that the, that the uh, angels had just used. Why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? And he knows. He knows all this stuff. He just, want, he just loves to see your reaction. If he ever asks you something, it ain't like you don't know the answer. He just wants to know your heart behind the answer. She's supposing him to be the gardener. Well, of course she was. He was planted in a garden. Said to him, sir, if you have carried him away... Tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. I wonder if she really could have done that, even if it was possible. I mean, because, man, picking up a body, man, that's, that's tough. But anyway, Jesus said to her, Mary. And I would love to be able to hear how he says your name, especially in a way when he's excited about it. Adam, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. First sighting of this resurrection she's like it's him he's here he's alive and that's one of the reasons like which is to say teachers that if you're if you're new to kind of this Christian thing you know one of the first books you ought to go to is the book of John because John takes great pains to to uh, help out a reader not familiar with Jewish customs, or familiar with the religion, or anything like that, because you know if he had just left rabona, I would be like, well, what's the rabona?" You know. But he says, which well, is to say, teacher, he does stuff like he tries to explain it. He's very wanted to do to to present this in a way that's very comfortable for the reader and that the reader can understand. This Mary, she would go on and she would tell. Others. They wouldn't believe her. They would have to see for themselves, and they would get to see for themselves. They would be filled. With the Holy Spirit, they would go to this upper room that Jesus told them to and and a sound like a rushing mighty wind would come in there and these guys would be filled with power. The Holy Spirit, they'd been hiding out up till now, but they're so filled that they're ready to go out and change the world. This same Spirit is supposed to be in you and me if we believe in Christ our Lord. Next verse. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. This is, this, is, this is Peter right here preaching. After he's seen the risen Lord, after he's received this power of the Holy Spirit, instead of hiding out, he goes out in public, and he says words like this. He preaches the gospel to everybody. He says, let all the house of Israel know That God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, lest we forget that it was our sin that put him up there. Both Lord and Christ. And you gotta have both of them. We we some translations say Savior and Lord. We kind of tend to like Him in the American church as Savior because, hey, I get to go to heaven and, you know, all right, that good stuff. But we don't tend to like Him as Lord because He gets to call the shots. And if we're going to resurrect the real church, then we must accept Him as Lord. He gets to call the shot. I don't want you to fill in the blank. But that's one of my favorite things to do. Are you the Lord of your own life or are you going to allow me to be the Lord of your life? So after they told them this, conviction just ran through everybody. And look what they said next. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Do you remember the day that, that conviction fell all over you? I remember it as a 16-year-old kid and the youth pastor just there just talking about heaven and hell and how it's all about Jesus and I didn't have a clue about any of that stuff and I just wanted to know I mean what do I do how do I how am I saved and He offered this little prayer right there at the end of it in that in that little group, but but I I was too scared, I guess, of what my friends thought, you know. So I went home, and it was just so overwhelming. I couldn't quit thinking about it, so I just called him. I said, "Listen, I I got to know what to do. What do I do?" And he said, "Man, he said I knew the Lord was was pounding on your heart. I knew he was. He said I'm gonna come get you. Come on, let's go." And he took me and he told me. What to do. And he's going to tell these men what to do. And if you don't know him today. This is what you do. Next next verse. Peter said to them. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy spirit it only makes sense that there would be three things that, you know included right here in, in salvation there's the father the son and the holy spirit you know there's the first heaven second heaven third heaven you know there's all the father son holy ghost there's all that kind of stuff all these threes so repent You know, let God know that you're not what you need to be. Let Him know that you got sin all over your life and then you want to. Be forgiven in Jesus' name and then go be baptized. Be baptized. Let the world know that the old you has passed away. You're coming up clean and you're going to walk out of here brand new and start a new life in Him and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He'll fill you with power and He'll change you, your heart. He'll change everything about you. He is amazing. Next verse. And that promise, because we may say, oh, well, that was back then. That's what they did back then. Well, just in case you think that. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. We are afar off. Did you guys realize that? We are afar off. As many as the Lord our God will call. As many as he will call. So these guys will go out. And they will preach the gospel. And just as those Pharisees could not contain Jesus, and they wanted to kill him, and they did kill him. It was pretty easy, relatively easy for them to kill that one guy, especially since he's giving his life willingly. But now... There's a bunch of them. Now there's a bunch of these little Christians and they're doing the same stuff that Jesus did. What do we do to these guys? How do we stop this? These guys were unstoppable. Next verse, check this out. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now this is where our church breaks, breaks down. All who believed were together. We as a church... In general, especially in America, we are not together. Everybody who believes, I mean, you just go to the different denominations. Everybody will emphasize different things. And you'll hear people talk about the other church down the road who does it this way. We are not together on any of this. And we should be together. And we should have all things in common, but we don't. Take something as simple as like that book and that movie, The Shack. I mean, unbelievable. I read it and I watched the movie and I I enjoyed it just because it gave me a different perspective of God, okay? He's not the old white guy with the long beard, okay? He can be whatever he needs to be to whatever. Changed my whole perspective on him and and I'm so appreciative of that. But then immediately... I saw people that I respect and pastors that I like a lot and that I would still go to saying, man, oh, you go see that, man, that's just pure heresy. And I mean, you got people seriously saying, man, you're going to hell if you watch that, like... How are we so not together? How can you so not see the good in things? How are we so spiritually that we can't discern the good parts from the bad parts? I mean, shouldn't we at we least be able to do that, recognize these things? Should we not? No, but we're not all together. But these guys were all together. They had all things in common. And I hope we as Lifeline Community Church can believe and be together and have all things in common and make the main things the main things. I pray, it's my prayer that we can become unstoppable just as these guys were unstoppable. Because they were like this, look at what the Pharisees looked to do. Next verse. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. You have got to stop all this talking about Him. And today, we talk about Him in here in the church. But how often do you talk about Him at work? How often do you talk about Him at home? How often are the conversations all about Him? Because these guys, they were so in tune with each other. He was all they wanted to talk about. And these guys called and said, listen, you got to find something else to talk about. And they commanded them, don't speak at all nor teach in the name of this Jesus Christ. If the same, the same things happening to us today, especially me in education, being a teacher, you better not say that name of Jesus. You can't do this at separation of church and state and all that. And every time that I do, because I'm going to do it, there's no way I'm going to stand before God and say that I was fearful No, I can't do that. If he tells me to tell, I am telling and I'm ready to take whatever. And I realize it could cost me my livelihood. It could cost me a ton. But listen, i got to follow him. And when people say not to here in the world today, okay, well, we just won't. We'll just talk about it in church. You know, uh, our relationship with Jesus is personal anyway. We don't need to be talking about it with other people. These guys could not do that they were all together and they said everybody's got to know about the risen Lord but these guys called them in and they said don't talk about this guy anymore so what do you think they're going to do are they going to go and hide out maybe pray for protection maybe Lord I don't you know what do you want us to do are they going to go we look at the prayer that they say it's amazing next verse Now, Lord, look on their threats. All right, Lord, they're threatening us, just like they did you. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Consider their threats. And it's not, protect us, Lord. We don't want to get hurt. We don't want to have to go up like you did and be crucified. We don't want to have to be beat like you did. They just said, no, Lord. We are a little bit afraid. Make us bold. Make us bold. Let us speak this word like we've never spoken before. Back it up with your healing hand wherever we go. Let us put hands on the sick and they get well so quickly that everybody else Make this unstoppable. Show us signs and wonders when people go. So there's no one like these guys who are talking about this guy. They won't even take credit for anything that they do. It. They give all glory to this man, Jesus Christ. It's unstoppable. And you know what ended up happening after this? They did beat them. They got flogged. Just almost as he, as he was scourged, they got pummeled. And you know what they did? Next verse, check this out. So they departed from the presence of the council after being beaten, brutally beaten, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Are you kidding me? How far are we from this? How far? Like, thank you, God, I got to suffer. Whoa! Where does that kind of thing come from? I mean, if they did call me into the office on Tuesday when I go back and like, Adam, listen, we got some complaints, you're talking about the Lord, you gotta, you gotta go. You gotta, you know, you're fired, you know, you're going. Like, yes. Thank you, Lord. I get to suffer. Man, there's no one like you. But you know, I don't have that. But I want it, guys. I want it. I want whatever these guys had in common. That's what I want. And I hope it's what you want. And as I preach, guys, I mean, this preaching thing has so blown my mind over the, next, over the last three years. Because on one hand, you want to you be cool. You want to say cool stuff about the Word. And you want people to be, like, amazed. And you want, them, you want them to come back and, like, oh, wow, man, I love the way Adam teaches. Let's go get other people to come in. But then I read about Jesus. He never did that stuff ever if he got a big crowd he would say these things to thin out the crowd he would say these things and the disciples were like man we could have so many more if you'd quit saying these things jesus his first big crowd at the sermon on the mount he's like "Yeah, blessed are you if you're persecuted oh man he said, then yours is the kingdom of heaven really who wants to be persecuted? Man, I thought he was going to be way cooler than this. Let's go. I can't believe we walked this far to see this guy. He just feeds 5,000 people and they're like, hey, man, do it for us again. He's like, yeah, unless you eat of my flesh, you eat of my blood, you don't have any part of me. You just don't. I'm like, oh, man, this is a hard saying. Who can understand this? It's like he would say these things. And I found, I found another one. This morning, and I I just, last night, I I found this, and I just laughed out loud when I read it, because everybody knows the one um, where he says, I hope I can find it right here real quick. I may have to just say it, because I thought I marked it. But he says... That he had a great crowd around him. I'm just going to say it. He had a great crowd around him. So what's he going to say one more time? He says, um, you know what? If you don't hate your mom and your dad and your brother and your sister and your children, then you really have no part with me. Like, what? Like, Jesus, you had another crowd, and that's what you, that's what you say? Look at what he says. This is, this is our Lord. It says the cost of discipleship. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds have, the air, uh, air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. This is going to cost you, son. You willing to leave everything that you know to come and follow me? I mean, you would think, oh, I'm so glad for you. You are saved. You want to become a member of my church? Invite somebody else and come back. None of that. And then Jesus says to another, "Follow me." But he said, "Lord, first let me go bury my father." Oh, Jesus said, "Let the dead bury their own dead. You go preach the kingdom of God." Well, like, what? Well, come on, let the guy go bury his dad. I mean, like, what, what, What's the deal here? And another said, "Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me uh, go bid farewell to those at my house." But Jesus said, no one putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is how he preached. And I'm like, Lord, if I preach like that, will anybody be left? <laughs> can, I, can I do this, Lord, and sustain a church in America? I don't, I don't know. But I want us, people in this room, to seriously consider, let's be the resurrected church. Because those guys were unstoppable. But we are so stoppable. And I mean, can you imagine the devil plotting back then? Like, what are we going to do? Well, let's get these guys to punish them. And let's do this. And let's beat them. And let's kill some of them. And hopefully it will scare them off. Now, today... If the devil is like, oh, that church is getting a pretty good crowd. What do we do? Ah, no problem. Inconvenience them. That's all you got to do. Like, are you serious? Just inconvenience? I talked to a man two weeks ago, and he said that they had their church was pretty big. They had a they had a a nine o'clock and an eleven o'clock service. Okay, but then people left. You know, people just went. and They realized they didn't need both of them. So they said, you know what? We'll just kind of meet in the middle a little bit. We'll do 10.30. And he said, so many people that went to that 11 o'clock service quit coming for that 30 minutes that they backed it up. And we're going to... These people, you're going to stand before God? Why'd you quit going to church? Well, they backed it up 30 minutes. Like, come on, Lord. Did you not see my suffering here? Like I have to get up earlier on my Saturday, you're, on my Sunday, you're lucky you got any of that because boy, it was awful pretty outside and I could have gone to the lake and I could have. Where, who are we guys? Who are you? What does it cost you to follow him? Joshua 24, 15 says, choose you this day who you're gonna serve. If it's money, if it's work, go serve it. Make some money, but don't try to call yourself a Christian at the same time when you love that stuff. If it's pleasure and it's all that kind of you know, sensual, sexual type stuff. Go for it. But don't try to call yourself a Christian on top of it. Serve him. Love him. Ask him, Lord, to give you a heart like these guys. And today, let's start being the resurrected church. So, Nate, if you could just start playing a little bit of something in the background. Because, guys, all I want us to do, I want to open up this offering. altar and i want to i want to say a prayer that i'm not sure i've ever prayed before you know i pray for protection i pray you know the hedge like in job all that kind of stuff I, i do all the time but i want to come down here and just for myself i want to pray for boldness because guys before i preach up here i'm always a little bit nervous i'm like lord i don't want to say that stuff You know, why do I have to say that stuff? can I say the stuff that makes them want to come back, makes them want to bring their friends? can I do that just a few times? Not if you want to serve me. Not if you want to do it my way. And I'm tired of being nervous about it. I'm tired of walking on eggshells about it. So I'm going to kneel down here and I'm going to say, Lord, will you give me boldness? You give me boldness to speak your word and to speak what you would have me speak and to not ever have to apologize about it, to not ever have to worry that what I say is going to offend somebody because if you do it right, it's going to offend people. He offended people all the time. And so I guess that's what I see. That's the vision for our church, that I get up here and I say things to try to thin you out, to get you to go somewhere else. But those who stay, you're the real deal. You're the ones. We have all things in common. We care about what he wants more than what we want. And if you want to be a part of that church, will you just come down here and join me? I don't mind if I'm the only one, but I want to be bold. All who will come and join me. Thank you, Carol. Thank you so much, y'all, for being that first one to step out.